TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Dr. Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by Sarana Renzella. She's an Aussie with a passion for healthy living. Through her own journey, she's found herself drawn to research about healthy food and how what we eat, think, and do influences many areas in our lives. Given those interests, it's probably no surprise that she has a Bachelor in Behavioral Science and a major in Psychology and Health Science, which is going to be fascinating to talk about, and has since studied at the Institute of Integrative Nutrition to be a certified coach, enabling her to help and coach support others to achieve their health and well-being goals. She has a passion for essential oils, so we've got a whole bunch of topics we can talk about today. Welcome to the show, Sarana. Thank you, Brett. It's great to be here. It's great to have you on board. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, your, your journey, your passion for health and well-being. Where did that come from? How did that all start? Uh, well, I guess like a lot of people, my interest in health um, came as a result of my own health struggles. Uh, I won't take it back. Uh, I'll start a little bit early and then I'll you know, skip a few years so I'm not keeping you for the whole day talking about my story. Um <laughs> I guess as I, when I was quite young, I was quite a hyperactive child who didn't sleep very well. Um, and so my parents uh, worked with some health professionals to discover that I was uh, sensitive to certain foods um, and then started making changes in our diet from a young age. Uh, we ate reasonably healthy, um, but other than, you know, the main foods that I had to avoid, I didn't really pay much attention to nutrition until, you know, my early teens when I found out that my dad had an advanced form of bowel cancer. And then I think we just started making those changes, you know, in our family through diet and, you know, other things just to support his treatment. Um, and then, you know, going on a few years, I, you know, went through the whole, well, probably typical but not very healthy um, teenage girl sort of um, feeling like, you know, food was something that I would need to get control over. So I developed quite a poor relationship with food, um, so to say. And then over time that sort of changed more into what can I do to heal my body from, you know, the damage that I'd put it through. Um, so it was, you know, a bit of a up and down roller coaster, but it's, yeah. it led yeah. me to... I guess the way I eat now and um, more into a, a holistic mindset approach as well, which, you know, not just the food side of things. Perfect. So tell me about the food sensitivities when you were younger and what did they discover? Who were the health professionals you went to see that helped you out? Uh, well, I was quite young, so I don't recall exactly. Um, but I remember getting like, all, you know, your skin sensitivity testing done. Um, and it was um, certain food colorings and also dairy um, that I went off. So I'd get reoccurring ear infections um, and, you know, very hyperactive. So That's great. That's great. That would sound like they were pretty switched on back then, which is <laughs> excellent. Um, and so what did you notice as a child? Like how did you find it having to change some of the stuff you were eating and what did you notice about your body at that early stage? Well, I'd, I probably didn't make a lot of links to food then. It was more for me I felt like it was a, 
more deprivation because other people were eating <laughs> a certain way, excuse me. Yeah. Um, but later on, sort of later in high school, I was making the links between, you know, feeling unwell, being tired all the time with brain fog and bloating. And that's when I started making those links between gluten and when I would have, you know, have occasional dairy in my diet, that's when I'd start, you know, picking up on those cues. Yeah. So what about then when you got a little bit older? Obviously, as a teenager, your dad got pretty sick. Um, were you more aware of it by that age? You know, did, did you get the link a little bit more? Did, did it make more sense to you making the changes then? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, and it was it was around that time that I started, well, sort of a bit later on, that I started um, doing my own research. And that led me to discovering um, the gut and psychology syndrome diet, hmm. and which has been you know, a big part of my healing journey. Um, and then through, you know, loosely following the GAPS diet, um, which do you want me to describe it a little yeah, bit? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, there'll be quite a few people on the show who will have heard of and know of the GAPS diet, but there'll be others who aren't quite so sure. So if you can give us a, a brief introduction into GAPS and what it is and why people do it and, you know, what sort of foods you can have on the GAPS diet, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, so basically it's... a a diet designed to to heal the gut lining, um, you know, from from damage that we've done, um, or that has resulted, you know, from certain issues, uh, and it's really high in really healing, nourishing foods like bone broth, fermented vegetables, and well cooked foods that are easy to digest. Um, it also eliminates certain foods that are, you know, quite difficult to digest, and then. After a certain amount of time, you can start adding adding in some of those more advanced foods and, and just modify, uh, monitor your body's reactions to see what it can and can't handle. Um, there's also uh, a lifestyle and sort of detoxification component of the GAPS diet. However, when I started on you know GAPS diet in my late teens, I was only really paying attention to those yes or no foods, which helped. Um, but I don't think I got the full benefit of it until I really embraced more of those, you know, learning to slow down and, um, you know, help those detoxification processes. So for those who aren't familiar with the GAPS diet, give us an idea of some of the foods that are and are not included. What sort of stuff do you need to cut out, particularly in the early stages, because GAPS can be quite restrictive in the early stages. Um, what sort of stuff did you need to cut out when you first started looking into GAPS? Yep. So, um, it's some of your um, big culprits like gluten, dairy, um, grains, um, and also most legumes are quite hard to digest. Mm. Uh, and also, so gluten for some people, I mean, for dairy for some people is one to cut out, but some people can tolerate it reasonably easily. Um, and also sugars um, and a lot of starches as well. Yeah. So that was probably a pretty big change for you at that age by the sound of it. Um, what sort of stuff did you notice as you went through the process of, of changing over to the GAPS diet? Oh, a lot more clarity, um, definitely. It was it was hard, but like I said, I followed it quite loosely to start with, so I probably wasn't getting the full benefits of it. Um, you know, but a lot of, you know, less bloating, uh, less brain frog, better concentration. I wasn't at that stage really embracing the, the healing fats and the and the bone broth. So that bone broth play a, a huge part of it uh, and I wasn't really aware then. Um, but when I've sort of gone back to it, 
more recently, that's when I've embraced, you know, a lot of the bone broths and the fermented foods and got a lot more out of it then. Perfect. I'm actually sipping my bone broth as you say that, Sarana. So <laughs> that's perfect. That's great. Um, it's beautiful. A little bit of bone broth in the morning just to get you going. Um, <laughs> so tell us about your, you said yeah, in your teens you had a bit of a poor relationship with food. Um, did that come about before or after you started on the GAPS diet? Uh, that was before. Um, so I think it was as a result of wanting to to fit in and be like other people or thinking that if I was skinnier or had less acne, then I'd be more popular. Or, you know, that real just trying to control certain situations with food. Uh, and I think because I was depriving my body of certain nutrients, um, and that whole negative mindset, I think that contributed to a lot of um, long-term gut issues that I then, then later went on to try and heal. Yeah. So how did you eat at that stage? What sort of foods did you eat? What sort of restrictions did you place on yourself? Um, <laughs> oh, thinking back, um, probably a lot of carrot sticks, rice crackers, Salad, um, and I can't remember what else. Um, I would, I would limit my diet, but then I'd feel, you know, feel deprived because of limiting it so much that I would then go and binge on, on chocolate and lollies, and and then feel obviously worse as a result. So it was a bit of a, bit of a poor cycle. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And such a common one, isn't it? I mean, so many, as you said, teenage girls, even teenage boys nowadays, it, it's it's a really common cycle of people who, um, you know, who do get a bit obsessed with their food and, and struggle to, to nourish their body and, and love their body. And I, and I guess that's probably the biggest thing that comes out of it, I think, is understanding that you need to eat healthy food to love your body, not to punish your body or deny your body or to try and stop your body from doing something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, and I just I've seen a lot more coming out recently, and I think it's definitely needed about you know really having that love for for your body at at a young age and and learning how to properly nourish it and seeing it as an act of love, not as an act of hate, uh, and it is so important. Yeah. So if you were to go back to that teenage self, Serana, obviously, you know, loving yourself is, is something that would be important, but what, what advice would you give to yourself at that age if you were to be able to go back and speak to yourself now? <laughs> oh, that's a big question. Um, I don't know, just like don't be so harsh on yourself. You know, we can be our own worst critics really and you know stop worrying so much about what other people potentially think because at the end of the, the day the day it's probably more your idea of what they think not what they really think um, and what they really you know what they think doesn't matter anyway um, it's about you know how you feel within yourself um, and and also learning to talk to people about you know, what you're going through. Um, so if there's, you know, young young women out there listening, you know, I think it is really important to have a chat with people if you don't feel like you're coping too well. Um, 
yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I think I think young women and young men. That's that's a great piece of advice is to make sure that you know that there are people there you can chat to and that it's okay. And you know, you said before, you know that we tend to spend so much time focusing on what everyone else is thinking and worrying about what everyone else is thinking about us. And, and the reality is most of the time, they're not actually thinking about us at all. They're too busy yeah. thinking about themselves and worrying about their own fears and insecurities to even pay attention to what's going on around them. And, and you know, I think we, we've all been there and done that at some point in our lives. You know, we all go through that and, and some of us keep doing that. And so I think it is such an important thing to, to be mindful of is that, you know, it's about focusing on you and how you can be the best version of yourself and not stressing about what everyone else is thinking and not comparing to everyone else is just, you know, it's just being the best person you can be and giving your body what your body needs, I think is so mm. important. Yeah, definitely. So, Sarani, you've gone on from there and obviously done uh, some study, Bachelor of Behavioral Science, majoring in psychology. Now, that obviously is pretty fascinating. Um, <laughs> what led you to want to study behavioral science? Uh, well, I wanted to study nutrition actually, um, and my scores weren't quite high enough. Um, so I went through the course guide at the time because I knew I wanted to go to university and thought, well, that's the only other thing that um, appeals to me. So I thought, right, well, I'll study behavioral science and see where that leads me. Um, I think part of that was also about wanting to understand myself a bit better too at that age. Um, but it was, yeah, just an absolutely fascinating course, um, you know, learning about, you know, certain um, psychological theories um, and how people react in certain situations. Um, but also at the time that I did my study, there wasn't so much of a focus on positive psychology. And I've really started over the last few years seeing that, you know, become, a, you know, quite a new thing. And it's uh, I've really been getting into that. Uh, at you know where I study uh, where I work at the moment there's a big focus on positive psychology uh, and also throughout a lot of workplaces I think they're starting to take a focus on on positive psychology which is awesome because I think that's what's really been needed for a long time sort of moving away from what's wrong with people um, and looking at what's right and and how we can take uh, our strengths and really build on them and become the best versions of ourselves so is, is that really the difference between, I guess, the two branches of psychology, for want of a better term, like the difference between what you learn and positive psychology? Is it really just that that focusing on the best bits, or you know, how would you de define the difference between the two? Um, yeah, I think that's that's a big part, um, but it's all still so new that it's. Yeah, I'm not really sure how to define the difference, but I think, yeah, focusing on the, the good as opposed to the bad is, is a big part of that. Yeah, okay. So so you then, you graduated, obviously, you've, you've got your, you know, you're majoring in psychology. Um, was that then, were you thinking that was the direction you were going to go with your career or were you always still wanting to, to bend back into doing some stuff with food? I was still really interested in food um, and I... You know, partway through my course, I, I decided that going through and, and being a psychologist wasn't what I was interested in. Um, so I took a bit of time off from study and then went um, more so out of my own interest, started studying at um, the Integrative, uh, Institute of Integrative Nutrition um, and absolutely loved that because that was not only was that talking about nutrition, but it was also incorporating a range of, of other areas of life. So you weren't only looking at food, 
Um, you're also looking at relationships, uh, spirituality, um, you know, our overall health, you know, different different aspects. And it was just fascinating to bring it all together and see it as a more holistic, holistic approach. Yeah, absolutely. So you've graduated from the Institute Institute of Integrative Nutrition. I have so much trouble saying that. You graduated as a health coach. <laughs> and um, and so what have you done with that from then on in? And how has that been, how have you incorporated that into your life now? Yeah. Uh, well, I started uh, probably just before I, uh, soon before I started studying there, I had started a blog and this was uh, more just my own interest in nutrition and the fact that I was reading all these health journals and, you know, diet books and personal development books for the fun of it. Um, so I started the blog more as just an outlet. And then once I was studying at IIN, I was able to incorporate what I was learning into some of the, the posts that I was posting about. Uh, but a lot of what I did at IIN, I got, you know, just so much out of it for myself, just personal growth. And then um, I have worked with a couple of people in the past, you know, health coaching them, them. so that's been awesome. Uh, and I'm still using a bit of that in the work that I'm doing um, today with um, my wellness advocate work with essential oils. Uh, and I think it's just set me up with a lot of the skills, you know, just for everyday life, which has been awesome. Perfect. So tell us a bit about your wellness advocate work, Sarana. What's a wellness advocate? <laughs> so a wellness advocate is um, a term for um, people that work uh, that work with um, doTERRA essential oils. And as a wellness advocate, you're then sharing um, education about how to use essential oils and how they can benefit your life. Um, and I got really interested in essential oils um, probably after – after having made quite a few changes, you know, within my diet and my lifestyle, I wanted to take it again to the next level um, and eliminate a lot of toxins from my home um, and also get something that would help with energy. Um, and, yeah, that just led me into essential oils and I've been I've fallen in love with them and used them ever since and love letting people know about how much they can benefit your life. Um yeah, there's just so many uses for them. So give us some examples, Serana. Tell us about a day in the life of Serana and how you use essential okay. oils in all the different facets of eating, cleaning, you know, um, grooming yourself, all those sort of things. How do you use them in your life? Yeah, so like I said, there's a number of uses. Um, and the, the brand that I use, doTERRA, they are quite um, high quality. So they are suitable for a range of uses as opposed to some you know, synthetic, you know, $2 shop ones. Um, so you can use them um, aromatically, so diffusing them around the house. So I do that quite a bit. Um, at the moment, I've got wild orange and geranium diffusing in my study. Um, and you, some of them are also safe for internal use. That's personal preference if, if people don't feel comfortable with that. Um, so sometimes I'll have a couple of drops of lemon in my water to help um, detoxify the body. Um, I might use it occasionally in cooking, so with salad dressings or in bliss balls. Uh, and then I also make my own skincare products. So, you know, whether it just be with coconut oil and different essential oils for nourishing the skin um, or making, you know, uh, you know, making deodorants, that kind of thing. Uh, 
uh, and also for cleaning. So lemon essential oil especially is great for, for cleaning, as is clove, so um, highly disinfectant. Um, and, and also like for wound care, so first aid, you know, if there's cuts and things, things like um, tea tree oil is great for, for that. Perfect, great. So there's, I mean, there are, there are just so many uses for it, aren't there? And the beautiful thing about it is it really just allows you to eradicate some of those nasty chemicals that, that people use around their home and in their body and on their body. Um, so, you know, what sort of stuff have you been able to cut out by using the essential oils instead? Well, there's, I mean, there's very few commercial cleaning products that I, I still buy. I, I think I buy, uh, oh, I make my own um dishwashing powder you know machine powder now so i don't need to buy that i buy um stuff for the washing machine but other than that like all you know sprays um the general cleaning i make my own um so just something simple with a bit of vinegar water and essential oils um most skincare products you know we really don't need the amount of chemicals that we put on our body you know, everything that we're putting on our skin is being absorbed into our body so it's it's nice if you can eliminate some of those things um now what was the <laughs> that's okay that's great that's that's just talking about some of those chemicals that we can cut out by uh by using those essential oils which is beautiful so you know we've spoken about the food side of things i guess we've spoken about the the, the psychology side of things the mindset we've spoken about getting rid of some of the chemicals what about movements around what do you do in terms of movement in your life uh, I do a mix of uh, strength training, um, a lot of walking, uh, just sort of finding things that I enjoy. So at the moment for me, it's, it's strength training, walking the dog and a bit of yoga every now and then. Um, but I do go through through phases where I might, you know, throw something in like a bit of CrossFit or um, I started well, just once this week, so I probably can't say I've started doing it, but I've just started riding into work occasionally, which I'm really enjoying, um, and just getting outside and, and enjoying natural movement and being being in nature is really fun. Perfect. So lots of play. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Finding it enjoyable instead of seeing it as something that you have to do as, as punishment for, you know, what you might have eaten or, or if, you know, for yeah, that kind of thing. Just doing it as something you enjoy, yeah, it's, it's really been a big change for me. Perfect. So, Sarana, if people want to find out more about you, they can obviously go to your website, which is simplynourishing.net.au, which is your blog. How long have you been doing the blog for now? Um, I, so I was trying to think about that this morning. I either started at the start of 2013 or the start of 2014. Um, so it's been a few years now, but just sort of on and off posting. Yeah. Um, and I've just moved over from my old domain so i'm still moving things over to my new website so uh, if you go and check out my website um sign up to my newsletter and there'll be more content coming and i'm excited to be bringing more stuff about um using essential oils and also the the mindset side of things because i'm really taking a big interest in that Perfect. And obviously, people can find you on social media, on Facebook, the Simply Nourishing blog, um, and on Instagram, simply underscore nourishing as well. Yeah. Perfect. So, for everyone who wants to find out more about Serana, that's where you can head, head to the website, simplynourishing.net.au. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Serana. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me, Brett. It's been great to be on this side of the podcast. I've been a long-time listener for 
since you started with Stefaniana. Oh, so. <laughs> there you go. That was a while ago now. That's like three yeah. years ago now. Beautiful. Well, that was probably about the start of my getting interested in the paleo side of things. So that was a, a huge part of that. Oh, perfect. I'll make sure I let the girls know they got some fans <laughs> still. Um, so until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.